from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. It'll come forward, toss sweep to Wilson, cut back, run, 20, 10, 5, touchdown! San Francisco! Throws it, it's caught by Debo Samuel, breaks a tackle, 40, 30, 25, 20, breaks another tackle, touchdown! It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Tuesday. Cofield and Company, Finley Toyota Studios. Ari is here. Adam Hill is the company. It's Steve Cofield. Good interviews on the way. Good prizes, too. Later on, some concert tickets. I'm throwing off. That was weird. Coming in, the Niners Radio Network. Touchdown! No, no Raiders. I still can't can't get over that, that uh, Greg Papa is gone. I know a lot of Raiders fans can't. Uh, Musburger and now Horowitz are doing a wonderful job, but you're so used to that Raiders, you know, touchdown Raiders. It's been like, what, three, four years at this point? And every time I still, I hear... Touchdown! I just keep right. waiting for Raiders. Right, right. San Francisco. No, doesn't sound right. Doesn't sound you right. Raider at all. Yeah, Papa's awesome. He's very good. Niners are awesome. We'll get to that. It's another good topic today about how good the Niners looked against the Rams. There's also a lot of pushback in several markets about the lack of sharpness from certain teams early in the season, and a lot of the teams are those teams that. Didn't want to play their big-name players, and they look like ass right now on a lot of fronts. Let's get to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. It's funny you notice, as soon as the show started, I'm like, I don't know who we have on today. I forgot every single guest. We have some good ones. We do know after the show, Marcus Arroyo radio show will air after Cofield and Company, 6 o'clock, special Tuesday edition. When they have Friday games, the show airs. We go live at 6. Tuesdays, 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 when they have Friday games. Saturday games, we're back to Wednesday. So, a little bit different. The, 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 week is, the week is thrown off. Um, I think something was going on today at Raiders availability. Um, we're gonna, Raider. Well, Patrick Graham and Mick Lombardi were available. Uh, we're going to work on, by the 5 o'clock hour, just cutting up the press conferences. Because you got one-on-ones. Usually, there's like 20, 25, 30 people there. What the hell was going on today? It was you and someone from the ringer, and the entire room was empty for a Tuesday presser with the coordinators. It's every Tuesday. Where was everyone? I don't Fine know. Fine job coming up with 15 questions in a pinch. Yeah, I had like I had one. <laughs> you had one? I had one, one for each coach. I had one for each coach. I'm writing about for, this. Yeah, for my stories. Yeah. That's all I had. So I was, I was thrown off. Okay, so think sure. about this. Last week... Devontae Adams misunderstood a question from Adam Hill. Devontae got thrown off and thought you were trying to, like, stick it to him. Uh, you can tell us if you spoke since. I think it was a misunderstanding, right? Yeah. Yeah, we had okay. a great talk. Okay. So you were last week you were asking about him being the pace car driver for uh, the Motor Speedway for the NASCAR race coming up because it had been announced that morning. And you were asking a question about the race car and some jabroni, and there's like six of them, 
who like to clip videos up and try to you know take out the guys who are paid for a living in the media. And some guy went after you, and then you got accused all over the place of making a joke about Henry Ruggs, yeah. which I can tell you, uh, don't get me going. Because I got about a three-minute rant on that. For people outside the market who think that's a joke, yeah. I just said, don't get me going, and I'm going to get going. It's not a joke. It's not funny here. Adam would never do that. You're an a-hole if you're on the web and accusing him of that. We all live that, okay? We all drive by the crash site. We lost a local at the hands of Ruggs and the Raiders' stupid personnel decisions. That's my target where that lady worked. I don't know where Ruggs is now with his dopey girlfriend, but I don't know if you know, but they're, they're, they're in my neighborhood, in my area. So please stay in your house. And don't T-bone me. Which, so for everyone outside the market is like, oh, stupid media making a joke, up yours. That is incredibly personal to everyone who lives in Las Vegas. That was horrific. There's nothing funny about that, and no one here would make a joke about it. Which, by the way, made I just it, said I wasn't going to get going, but which, I did. by the way, made it even more annoying because you mentioned that some people outside the market, some people inside the market that made comments. Yeah. Yeah. You're on the list. Okay. Whatever list that is, you're on that. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Anyway, so it's funny now. Last week, you're sitting at a press conference, misunderstanding on a question. The following week, you're doing one-on-ones with the two coordinators. Essentially. Fire this guy! Yeah. No. He's not getting fired. It, they were, I'll say this. They weren't the greatest press conferences. Like I said, I had one question for each coordinator because that's all we usually get. Well, and then today I come in and nobody was there. No, man. Do your so, work. You got to prep for all possibilities. Uh, I guess. You can well, see that I will coming. Now. You never I will. Yeah, from, yeah. from now on, I will. Hey, Adam, you ready? You got 22 questions? <laughs> I, Let's go. It was, I was totally Here's thrown your, off. You should have been up on the dais just holding a microphone. I should have. I almost did. You guys both both pull up a, a, like a tall chair, a bar stool, and let's go. Well, if not for the live stream, I would have. <laughs> You would have just stood up there. Well, here's the other Pull a Willie, just walk in front of the stage and flex up. He did, he did. Bow up. He did bow up. Josh, is this whole line thing going to work or not? Answer my question. Like, all right. Jesus. <laughs> uh, I will say, I it was knowing how incredibly awkward I, is, I am since we're discussing this. You know, we regulars have assigned seats in the media room. Mine is way in the back, which is where I wanted it oh, to be. I didn't be. know that. Oh, yeah. Okay. You go in there, might have to, I might have to work on that for UNLV football. Well, there's stickers where uh, the regulars sit I'm gonna in, work their, on in their chair. Yeah. Um, you know, the the PFWA executive board made this happen. Yes, yes. One of our first. You're, you're, uh, you're in management. People yes. don't realize you're in management. One of our first, one of our first moves. If you've got to, a complaint about Adam Hill, go complain and file the report with Adam Hill. Sure. Because I'm on the board, and it and it started because the Patriots were here, and all their media were in there, trying to take all of our spots. Yeah. And we, as executive board, said, "No, no, no, assign seating in the media room." So, did my- you uh, did you levy a fine or a penalty on the the? Wasn't there one guy who walked like through a press conference, yeah. uh, slamming doors, took a leak with the door open? Yeah, didn't wash his hands. Didn't wash his hands in the middle the, of the presser, and then just walked right out. Yeah, flushed the toilet like three times in the middle mm-hmm. of a presser. What do you Good expect? for him. Decorum from New Englanders. Uh, but what Shocker. I'm getting, what I was getting to is my seat is in the back, and I was like, do I move up? What 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 do I do? I'm the only person here. That is that is weird. That's a, you you got in a situation where you're kind of driving with a friend, and you're sitting in the back seat. Yeah. Like oh yeah, dude, just move up. You can I, go. You can go shotgun. There's no one. I'm not your chauffeur. Move well, up. At some point, it was too late because I just I just thought you it was sat, too early. You and I'm sat like, in the back. I'm looking around like, where is everyone? I was wondering. I was watching the video back, and Lombardi's like, he's like squinting. 
like, you're 40 feet away. It's true. <laughs> I was so far in the back. And then the other part of it is, we like, we can kind of hear your questions, but not move up. I, Weird, I, man. I, still I guess expect, everyone needed a day off. I kept expecting more people to arrive. I was, yeah. was waiting. Yeah. Who's going to arrive here? Nobody. Looking did. out the window. Like, yeah, oh, do I have another question? So, like, taking you behind the media curtain. Yeah, These things I'm, happen sometimes. I'm looking around. Like, okay, I guess it's just me and you. Let's go, Mick. This market's gotten crazy because, uh, you know, normally it's Raiders, you know, in terms of responsibilities, it's Raiders one through five. And then, you, you know, media people are like, oh, well, then I can cover this, this, and this. But Raiders really have overtaken almost every media gig in town. And it shows how much they're covered when you hear about an event going on tonight at the DLC. What's happening? Well, our local is the only one we care about. But the projected number one and two pick from the 2023. 2023 draft in the NBA are squaring off in a G League exhibition game over at Dollar Loan Center at seven o'clock. By the way, it is it's on. You can watch it on uh, on ESPN Plus and check it out if you want. If you're not going over there, I would try to go over there. Uh, if there wasn't 18 million things going on, it's wild how many things there are. Uh, but this is going to be a great game. And of course, Scoot Scoot Henderson, our local on the G League Ignite, uh, he's the projected number two pick. But this should be. I mean, this should be a very tell it's a, it's two it's a series of two games that they're playing Thursday afternoon as well, uh, but a pretty telling matchup that you don't really get to see very often when there's a player from Europe who's projected you know top two pick. It should it should be interesting to see how this plays out and how much not that it's going to be the determining factor in who gets picked, but it's a it's a chance for those two guys to go head to head very early in the process. Around the NFL, we're going to find out how important the draft is and if someone nailed it or completely blew their pick. Or if other teams just miscalculated, well, I lost my bet. I thought Mitch Trubisky would be decent enough to be the starter for the Steelers Me too. until they were totally out of it. They're not totally out of it, but he's just been dreadful. So now the pressure's on. I don't think this is a great move because this is trial by fire the next couple games for the Steelers, but they're turning to Kenny Pickett, the rookie out of Pittsburgh. So Steelers going with their rookie quarterback, what, number 17 pick? And uh, he starts in game number five. Trubisky's on the bench. And he did not throw an incompletion in relief duty last week. <laughs> 10 of 13, three picks. <laughs> no incompletions. That's a weird stat line. It is. And running touchdowns. Yeah. But, uh, and then, look, he played he played okay. And I think the, the whole bring a spark thing is why they did it and what they're kind of looking for here. That's what Tomlin said. Just need something to spark the team a little bit. Um I wasn't overly impressed. I thought there was there's some plays that he made, but a lot of that is as we've talked about many many times with players is they weren't ready. They weren't they didn't scout him. They had Mitch Trubisky scouted. They didn't have Kenny Pickett scouted. So you don't know what he's going to do. And you know you, you always know people don't watch games, but uh, you know after after the game the other day, uh, I was talking to some people like oh, Pickett was in. He, you know threw some picks. Uh, I had the I had a stream going watching it a little bit and well some of his throws were very questionable. Uh, but he he made a couple of plays, made it interesting, and somebody said, "Hey, let him down." He ran that ran in that touchdown. Well, it was Minka Fitzpatrick ran an interception back to the one yard line and scored, and then they called him out of bounds. So then he just ran it in from the one. So it's not like he let a drive down to the one and scored. He ran it in from the one. But he again, he made he made some plays, two rushing touchdowns. He made some throws on the run. There's something there. Uh, I don't think he's ready. Uh, but Trubisky hasn't done anything. I, I thought Trubisky was going to be good too. I thought at least good enough 
but but the defense isn't what we expected it to be. They've had some some absences on the defense. They got uh, some turnovers in week one, but they haven't been dominant necessarily. And the offense just hasn't really moved the ball at all. So, you know, looking for a spark, they're going to make this move. I don't know that it's permanent necessarily, uh, but we'll see how Pickett does. Niners last night on Monday Night Football, impressive stuff. Jimmy G's back in there. He was okay. Debo Samuel, he's awesome. Big play. The defense was great. And then again, you know, as we talk about the run game from Lil Shanny, you know, even with a technically a backup running back. Although I think it was a one and one a situation, but productive game from Wilson. So what does it mean to you that the Niners went out and dominated? I, I mean, I think, well, first of all, it tells us the Niners defense is really, really, really good. And we kind of knew that. I mean, they're at this point through four games, obviously not a full season, short sample size, but historically good. Maybe one of the best defenses in NFL history. If they kept this up, uh, they've been great. Offensively, I think with Garoppolo in there, again, it's going to be a lot of what we've seen the last couple of years. But if the defense plays at this level, I think he makes enough plays to win, which is what he's done, uh, win games by just not losing them. And that's what he's in there to do. <laughs> that's why he's still around. And I think that they're confident that he can do that. Uh, but I also think it tells you a lot about the other side and that the Rams just aren't it right now. Right. Uh, Stafford, I think, is still hurt. They, you know, teams have kind of turned it over and said, hey, we'll let Cooper Cup catch as many passes as he wants, eight yards downfield, but that's it. We're going to tackle him right away, and nobody else is going to do anything, and that's how teams are approaching them, and it's working so far. I think we saw something impressive, too, with the Niners in terms of roster building and money management, money allocation, and it affects the AFC West. Charvarius Ward was one of the prizes at cornerback in the offseason. 14 mil a year. Ooh, he's good. Yeah. 26 mil guaranteed. Raiders could have been in that market, but they choose to go, you know, to the highest end with Devontae Adams. And listen, the Chiefs defense is okay. That guy's good. He's really good. Yeah. His numbers are freaking impressive. Well, he, and not to, I'm not trying to take anything away. I think he's really, really good, but it also helps to go to a team where you only have to cover for like a second. Right. <laughs> that, that does hey, smart. That is not beneficial. got money and went to the right spot. Yeah. Yeah. Although technically Adam, that was supposed to be some of the look of the Raiders by bringing in Chandler Jones sure. and having Max Crosby. It was supposed to be a lot, you know, some improvement for the defensive backs. Maybe the quarterbacks wouldn't have as much time to throw this last week. Crosby was awesome for the Raiders. Yeah. yeah. I, and he made, he made big plays and that's actually literally a quote from Amik Robertson that I was kind of borrowing from there where I asked him after the game about, you know, having a guy like Max Crosby up front. And he said, he's like, when you as a cornerback, no, you only have to cover for about a second and a half. It helps you have some confidence to play cornerback and not, not worry too much that, you know, a team's going to beat you in certain ways, because you know, if, if the quarterback holds the ball long enough for him to get open, you're going to get a sack. Today after Cofield and company, it's the Marcus Arroyo radio show at 6 PM right here on ESPN, Las Vegas. For me as a coach, for me to be able to sleep at night and feel comfortable, yes, we would like for practice to be <laughs> good, you know, or we end up having really, really late nights that nobody cares about. But I'm just saying, like, you, you want practice to be good. You want practice to be good, and, you know, you feel more comfortable going into the game if practice is going well. So that's, that's a big part of what we do. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Raiders DC, Patrick Graham talking about the need for practices to be good because generally that'll carry over into the game and solid defensive performance. Got stops when they needed them. 
Got a big pick six against the Broncos. We'll talk about Raiders' strengths and weaknesses now going into week five. That'll be in the five o'clock hour. But some transactions to hit. Have they added a linebacker, the Raiders? Blake Martinez. Okay. So familiarity there with Graham coming from the Giants. Why have they added a linebacker? He's with him with the Packers, too. So I think he he knows the system. He understands what they want to do. Um, Am I wrong in reading into this and thinking, uh uh-oh, concussion issues? Not with Martinez, with Perriman. Yeah, I mean, he's he's in protocol right now after just having come back. And I think part of it is, you know, how how long-term is that? I don't necessarily know that it is, but... They've had a couple of guys miss multiple games with concussions, so they could be preparing for that. They also have been talking to him for a couple of weeks. I know they've been looking for depth there at the linebacker spot. And, you know, in addition to Perriman being out, they've had some struggles covering people. Uh, That's been one of the concerns for this defense so far. So I think there's several reasons that he was, you know, that he was brought in. But certainly the fact that he knows the system and knows Graham. He was not only only Graham with New York. uh, He knows him going back to his days in Green Bay. So there's a... a long-standing relationship there, and I think he just feels very comfortable with him. Did you say during the break they worked out a quarterback, Raiders? A bunch of wide receivers. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Jack Cohen from uh, from Notre Dame. Okay. Who, you know, I think he was with the Saints, if I'm not mistaken, in uh, in preseason. And It's a nice kid. You know, I got, got to be around him a little bit last year at the East-West Shrine game. Yeah. He was out here. I know, you know, I was around him a little bit. You were around him a lot more that week, but it seemed like a – Seemed like, seemed like a good kid, very you know community oriented. Uh, played well in that game, so um, I know that you know there's some there's some ability there. I, I don't know what it signifies for the rest of the guys, especially you know Chase Garbers, uh, somebody who you might think about. But uh, they just brought him in; they haven't signed him yet. Raiders lost Billy Price off the practice squad. Yeah, we hardly knew he for a former first round pick. They brought him in practice squad, and he got signed away. Center depth, and then James comes back. Yeah, yeah. So he they never promoted him; didn't play. So. Uh, he moves on. Coming up this weekend, Kelsey Plum hanging out. Well, no, let me get that correct. VW Henderson, Ari hanging out. Kelsey Plum will be there. No, it's Kelsey Plum's remote. Aces champion, WNBA champion. She'll be out uh, in Henderson at Finley VW. That'll be 11A to 12:30. Lots of prizes, photo opportunities, handshaking, maybe fist bumping, baby kissing. But lots of food. Lots of food. Raising Cane's, Porta Subs, I Heart Mac and Cheese, Crumble Cookies. So meet and greet. Ari will be on the scene from ESPN Las Vegas, 11 to 12.30. Kelsey Plum, Kelsey Plum, Kelsey Plum. This Saturday. That's pretty freaking cool. All right, so looking around the NFL. It's a lot of sloppy games offensively. Not a lot of output. Scoring is... Way down. I heard McDaniels mention that in his press conference last week. You know, he was under the impression it was about 21 points per game on offense around the league. I think it jumped up a little bit, but it's been pretty inefficient for a lot of offenses in the NFL. What the hell's going on? Lowest, lowest scoring first four weeks in 10 years Ooh. in the NFL. In a league where they're doing everything they can to promote offense. Yeah. And so it seems a little bit off. Now, he said, you know, as you're referencing, a little bit of, hey, teams aren't. Teams more than ever, teams don't enter the season as a finished product. They kind of use that first month to become a finished product. 
instead of using the preseason to get where they need to be by week one. I've heard some people say that Belichick likes to use the beginning of the season to kind of figure out what he's got. Yeah. Which the difference is you have confidence most years, almost all all of his career, that Belichick was going to get it right. He doesn't have the players now, and now he's injured at quarterback. Not everyone is Belichick in terms of, you know, scanning the situation and diagnosing it and figuring out what's right and wrong. Are there too many coaches? Because I saw a column in Denver today going at Hackett. Are there too many coaches who have adopted this? Hey, no one important is going to play in the preseason. And they're they're crushing Hackett. And a lot of it's, you know, you're, this isn't your third year. It's your first year, a staff's first year, and a quarterback who's new to the organization. Maybe you should have been freaking playing. And, you know, we had this big argument about Carr, you know, early on, wasn't looking great, should have been playing in the preseason. I know Willie and, you know, JVT were getting into it, you know, friendly, sports talk. And Von Tobel, I remember, responded with, well, what is, you know, if Carr take Carr Adams, whatever, Max Crosby, if they take 22 snaps during the preseason, what the hell does it matter? Where are you now on this? Because I, I think you fall on that side. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that you rest them, that that actually the joint practices can be more productive than the actual preseason games. I don't even think can be. I think they are. I don't think there's much question about that. But the, you know, it's part of it. It's it, But it's also what every team is doing. So are you going to be the one team? Because the, the flip side of that is look how many players have been hurt these first four weeks, like for the year. That could have been the preseason. So the flip side of it is, do you want to be the team that says, all right, we know everybody else is not playing anyone. We are going to go pedal to the metal. We're going to play in the preseason and then lose three guys. Yeah. Like, not that that would necessarily happen, but look at all the injuries we've seen in the first month of the year. Those could have been preseason injuries. Now, does it matter that you get hurt in the preseason as compared to week one or two? I don't know, but at least you're out there trying to accomplish something more so than, you know, just out there to get some reps in. You did notice there was one great team that did play their quarterback and played some of their guys, and that's the Chiefs. Yep. And how did the Chiefs look in week one? Actually, Chiefs Ready. week one over the last, you know, whatever Mahomes' career is now, five years, they're ridiculous in week one. Yep. They looked or they look more prepared than everyone else. Maybe there's a reason, an obvious sure. one. Sure. That's it's very, but they're also awesome. Like, I mean, they're, well, but, but, but he was working with a lot of new receivers. Yeah. And I think that was, that was probably part of why yeah. they want to play him even a little more than normal. So was Russell Wilson. He yeah. needed to play. Yeah. At least a little bit. I, I like I said, I, I think it's it's easy to say it. Yeah. It's also if Russell Wilson goes out, who is it? I mean, it's we're going back a long time, but you know, Keyjana Carter, like his first game is in the preseason as number one pick, tears his ACL, never was the same. Like, do you want to be the team that has Russell Wilson go out and hey, we need to get reps in, you need to be ready for the year? And we've seen what happened. He probably did need reps for sure. But do you want to be the one that says, Hey, we signed this this guy to all this money, we give up all these assets for him. We play him in the preseason and he gets hurt. That's a tough one to explain, too. It's it's very easy. We talk about results based thinking all the time. Right. To say, see what happened? There's alternatives that could have happened, too. Short sample, too. Sure. It's four games. Cool show coming to town on October 21st. That's a Friday at the MUA, McAlter Arena. AXS.com is where you can grab the tickets. Scorpions with special guest White Snake. My Lord. That's a good one. Two tickets right now. Ari's got them. 364-1100, 364-1100, AXS.com. It's at McAlter Arena. Friday, 
October 21st, Scorpions and Whitesnake. Join Cofield and Company on Fridays for the 3-6 to six show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. With a smoke bomb that is pink and he's running up the sideline. Now a couple of Rams come over there and make the tackle. And he's in a cloud of pink smoke so you can't see him. And now on him are a couple of security guards. That guy is headed to the slammer. And it will not be a good night. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Well, that was ridiculous until we saw, and Harlan, I don't think, could see the tackle that well. That was Kevin Harlan, Kurt Warner on the broadcast, Westwood One, watching it on video from all the different angles. That was unreal. How cool was that? First of all, do we know what the guy was running on the field for? Because everyone just assumed it was a gender reveal, or was he was he protesting? No, I thought it was a I thought it was a protest. I thought a lot of the yeah. um, women's rights protests have been okay. similar. Done, done the same. You have a little method. pink smoke. Yeah. Okay. Well, gender reveal would have been great if that's what it is. I don't. I didn't see the the mother there. That's one of the great moments in sports history with someone running on the field. It's what I've hoped for forever, and I was hoping to read that the uh, the helmet of Bobby Wagner. Uh, shattered the guy's jaw. I actually wanted it to be a better hit. What? Because I had heard about it and then saw it, and I was like, ah, it was good. I want... It's a it's a dude without a helmet on getting smashed in the face with helmet-to-helmet contact. No. And if you noticed, the security guard also would have been flagged if that was a real game because he fell on him with all his weight. True. He was a, he, That guy was having a tough time. He was a fatty. It was like me in a yellow jacket trying to hunt someone down. It, like, the guy was... The guy and the guy wasn't athletic, but he turned the corner at one point, and the security guard just flopped to the ground. But you're also assuming that the the guy protesting is a quarterback. Because if it's a regular player, you can just do whatever you want. You can, okay. Uh, quarterbacks, you can't fall with your weight on them. Uh, I I want because he he turned a little bit away from the hit, which I didn't like. I want blindside. You're you're running. You turn to kind of evade somebody from one side, and you just get speared head on, blindside. No idea it's coming. That's what I want. So I, want a, I want a better violent collision. You think anyone had to talk with Bobby Wagner about what he did? Like it was a wrong thing to do? No. I mean, you might want to actually make a tackle against the 49ers. <laughs> okay. But, but it was Put okay. that energy on the opposing sure. team on sure. in the game. He had one tackle. Not the right one. I'm all for it, though. Course. But my fear is because I, you know, like I think it would be neat if every stadium used that video and they're like, do not run on the field. But I think there'd be guys who are hammered in the crowd who are like, oh, yeah, let's see if they can tackle me. Like they take it as a challenge. Sure. I'm faster than that guy. Let's see if they'll tackle me. But it is a problem. We've talked about it in baseball. I don't know what you can do to people. The lifetime ban thing is nonsense. I think they can get back in. I mean, yeah, it's, I, I'm concerned that if you actually hurt somebody that there's repercussions. That's what I'm I, waiting for. I, I, not. I can't wait to talk to Justin Watkins tomorrow, our legal insider. Like, if that guy had his jaw broken, or, you know, is Wagner in trouble? Like, what's the expectation on, when you run on the field, what's the expectation of safety? I think if your jaw gets, if your jaw's not broken, then they should get to hit you again. <laughs> like, keep hitting you until you do suffer some sort of permanent damage. 
I think that would probably start to eliminate it. Although, I, when we talk about the the hindrances, like when you people are drunk enough to do that, and this I don't even know if he was drunk because it's a protest, but right. when for the most part it's drunk fans. When they're drunk enough to do it, they don't even think about repercussions. That's why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, like the repercussions thing doesn't really matter in the end. It's just it's wild. Oh, it it, it um, not to throw it off, but I know you haven't. I don't think you've started watching Welcome to Wrexham yet. No. They have a, the, I think it's the 10th episode, is is almost all about the hooliganism of the fan base. This is uh, two people buying a soccer team? Yeah, it's two uh, famous American actors, Rob McElhinney and Ryan Reynolds. They buy a soccer team, a very, very low-level soccer team that used um, to be a high to level. Up, yeah. And they're trying to build it up and get promoted. But this last episode that was on was about, like, hey, there's hooligans in the fan base. Like, that's a real part of soccer. And they get one-year bans when they do really, really bad things. Like, one year! And then they, they go talk to one of the guys like, oh, man, every every time I watch this game, I'm like, really wish I was there causing trouble. Like, okay. The year's killing what do you think? Yeah, not That he doesn't get to cause yeah. trouble. Do we need another soccer show? Are you sure? Didn't Ted Lasso cover it? That's a fake show, though. This is a real show. Oh, I didn't know that. It's yes. A, it's a documentary. Oh, no way. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'm in. Yeah. It's tremendous. If I watch that, are you going to watch House of Dragons? No. Come on. Bro. You got to watch. There's dragons? The, the last. Oh, I'm already out. Well, you know, Game of Thrones had dragons. That, oh, so it's a Game of Thrones thing. Yeah, House I'm of Dragons out. is I'm out. House of Dragons is 175 years before the uh, the Targaryen family is featured. This is Daenerys, the the super blonde one from Game of Thrones. It's her family, and uh, I won't give any anything beyond that. But there's lots of dragons. You know that I don't, I don't watch anything that can't happen in real life. And uh, oh, believe me, there was a scene in the last episode. That absolutely could happen in real life and in your family. Sure, there's scenes, but I'm saying if there's once there's a dragon or like time travel, I'm out. Yeah, it's just like any other animal. No, that's not. Uh, there were dragons back in the 1400s. Are they spitting fire? Don't, is that what dragons do? Oh, they spit a lot of fire. Yeah, so stop. That's ridiculous. suicide by dragon. It's ridiculous. Uh, but not going to give anything away. I'll, I'll do the same thing I did with Game of Thrones. I'll watch the last one and live tweet it. No, don't do that. You ruined it last time. <laughs> You're a complete bummer. You got to watch the whole way. You got to know those stories. I don't. This one's good. They got R.R. Martin back involved, the Jets fan. Okay. Because the end of the last run kind of fell apart because he ran out of ideas and the uh, the fill-in writers just, they, they panicked. They is, there, is there like any Vinny Testaverde references in this? No, he does not. Okay. All right. No, just because he's a Jets fan, he doesn't mix in Vinny the Knight. Like, one of the Knights is wearing a, four, hey, a 14, oh. 14 Jets jersey. Where's the hand of the oh, king? There's probably, there's probably Jets references. Don't they have acquaintances with like their friends' moms and stuff? That's a Jets reference. There's some very sick relationships, sure. I'll tell you that. That's Jets. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Stay up to date on the Raiders, the Golden Knights, and UNLV Athletics on the Press Box with Ed Grady and Tyler Bischoff. Weekday mornings at 7 on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 a.m. and 100.9 FM. It's always cool for me when I look across the sideline and there's someone on the other sideline that I respect and care about. You know, Marcus and I kind of were really young coaches here at San Jose State 17 years ago. We had a great time working together, you know, really enjoyed that, the friendship, the work. You know, he was quarterbacks and I was receivers, and so we were together all the time. He's a great friend. He's a great coach. He's doing a great job with UNLV's program. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. 
Big game coming up. How crazy is that? This has been a wild Mountain West Conference season. That was Brent Brennan, the head coach of San Jose State, who goes way back with Marcus Arroyo. Wow, that was really nice. Arroyo on Monday said, you know what? Brennan is on mute. <laughs> then he laughed. So they talk every week, maybe not so much this week. Let's bring in the uh, analyst on radio for Spartans football to break down the uh, SJSU side of things. Kevin Richardson is the analyst and played his football at Stanford as an inside linebacker. How are you, sir? Good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, we're very fired up because this game means something, and UNLV's been building to this, and you know, we know uh, San Jose has had some good seasons of late. This is a, a hell of a setup for a Friday night game on national TV. You know, that's what I kept telling myself in the second half up there in Laramie, Wyoming. We'd go to the break, and Justin, who does the play-by-play, I'd hit mute and say, man, I hope we can get this thing in the bag. How much fun will Friday night be? You know, UNLV is making a push and looking good, and Spartans are looking good. And, of course, you know, the Marcus Arroyo-Brent Brennan connection, that, that makes it fun. And it should just be overall just a, uh, a wonderful football game. The only, Probably the only bummer for me is uh, Jeff Weimer out for a few weeks for the Rebels, but he was uh, his high school had a bye this week, and there were going to be 60 people at the game to watch him play. So that's probably the only downer this week for me. So what has what has San Jose State done to to get to this spot? Being three and one, uh, that game against Portland State was a struggle, but they've looked better since then. You know they have. You know Portland State, it just seemed like the parking brake was on, if you will, and um, you know the defense has really started to assert itself. Allowed what two yards in the fourth quarter the other night against Wyoming, and of course I know you guys have seen Wyoming play. I mean it's just. You know, it's that it's that pro combination, right? Run the ball between the tackles is key for them. And San Jose played great on defense, and um, offense has started to come together. You know, I've been telling this story of uh, transfer quarterbacks in the Mountain West all year long, and I think we were at nine starters at one point, and now because of injuries to guys like Hainer, now we're down to just four transfers starting a quarterback, but. Shevin Cordero, I, I finally, for me on, on Saturday night, it was like, okay, this guy is a great football player, and he's a good quarterback. I mean, he just makes plays and gets the offensive line out of trouble, if that makes sense. How much better is he this year, and why is he better? You know, I, I think, uh, I think uh, Kevin McGiven, the offensive coordinator at San Jose State, I think he's a little more – strategic than the previous uh, offensive coordinators that he has played under. And I always, you know, Justin's always teasing me, but about once a game I'll kind of call my shot and say, okay, this is where I put the ball off of what the defense is giving you because you can just see it from up top. And then, you know, literally normally a couple plays later the ball will go there. And I think, you know, Shevin having a guy calling plays uh, that's, trying to really figure out where to go with the ball versus, hey, a concept and go figure it out yourself. But the, the part that makes him lethal in my mind is, you know, he's just such a elusive runner. You, you can't hit him. You, you never get to him, really. And, you know, if you bail out to play the pass, he'll run it on you. And if you stay short, he's got enough of an arm to put it behind you. So it's just a you keep looking at him, I, I'm sure, as a defender, because that's how I kind of see the world as a former linebacker. You think, gosh, I ought to be able to tackle this guy and put a shot on him, and you just can't. He's 
he's just elusive. How's the run game so far with Robinson? You know, run game has struggled, right? I mean, that's that's one thing that if you look at San Jose State, I always just track it back when you're looking at that third down conversion. Um, you know, 33% right now, that's up a bit, but um, running for 93 a game, but right around 50 a game in the, in the first two games. And that's been a problem, but uh, Kyrie has played um, better as of late. Um, the run game has kind of kicked in in the second half when they're trying to close things out. So I guess, you know, better late than never. But I, I look at, you know, when I look at the stats for the Rebels and I look at, you know, 169 yards a game rushing, that's an impressive number. And that, that you know, closes games out and keeps the ball in your hand a lot of times. We we know this is a big game. You know it's a big game. You're talking about it, but usually when UNLV comes to town, it's like, oh, UNLV football. Okay, this is this is fun. <laughs> but ha- has it kind of resonated yet that this is a different program? It's a different team now. Oh, for sure, for sure. It, it, you know, and it was funny it, listening to uh, post game interview on the way back the other night with uh, Elijah Cooks, who of course played at Nevada and is used to fighting over the Fremont Cannon. And, and he made some comments, you know, about well, it's it's interesting because I I don't feel like I have to be angry at these guys. And he said at the same time, you know, you look at what this UNLV team's all about. This is a whole different, you know, group that we're playing against, and a, and a whole different approach. And they're winning, and we're winning, and that's you know that's kind of a fun way to come together. So it should be should be fun. You know, Friday nights are interesting in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I, I worry a little bit about. You know, people saying, well, there's, you know, traffic, I'm not sure I can get there. I'll just watch it on TV. But the, the crowds have been showing up pretty pretty well here early on. And so, you know, the fact that both teams have just one loss won't hurt. I think, I think it'll be a good crowd. It should be a fun atmosphere on a Santa Clara Valley, you know, fall night. He calls the games as the analyst for San Jose State, played linebacker at Stanford. Kevin Richardson is up on Cofield and company, yeah, the matchup I'm really looking forward to, and I want you to break down some defensive stuff in a second, but the UNLV O-line, which has been good between the tackles, and actually the tackles are starting to emerge, but against that front seven, which is star-studded with a ton of experience on the Spartan side, that matchup's going to be dynamite. Yeah, it really is. You know, the guy that has played the best, I think, is uh, Viliami Fajoko. Um, He's just, you know, he's probably 10 pounds heavier this year, hasn't lost any speed, plays hard. You know, ball comes at him, he plays hard. Ball goes away from him, he plays hard. Of course, Cade Hall does what he does. I mean, he's there doing doing his job. And then, you know, you, you've got Kyle Harmon flying around who does such a great job at linebacker. And I'm always kind of watching him because it's kind of like a pitch count for a, a baseball pitcher when you think of how many tackles he gets involved in and can you can you stay on point and get 10 per game and he he looks good i actually had a chance to talk with him on the way back on saturday night i'm like how do you feel physically and he's like you know i, I feel really good for four games in so um those guys run around hard it, it's been fun to watch them and the other part that has been interesting is being able to sub on that defensive line. They've got three defensive or nose guards that they, they roll in and out of there, and they're pretty interchangeable, which is a luxury that I think I'm in year 15 here at San Jose State. We've never had that luxury. So the, they're on point right now, playing pretty good, uh, and, and a big challenge. I mean, I keep looking at this running back you guys have at 230 pounds. That's, 
That's that's old school uh, 80s and 90s size right there. So that'll that'll be fun. Hey, and Robin's in from Louisville as a transfer. Uh, Kyle Harmon, for people who don't remember the name here in Las Vegas, was the guy who got to Cam Friel at the very end of the game last year at Allegiant where there was a protection error, and he came unchecked and nearly broke Cam Friel in half. That kid freaking hits. All right, well, so you got all that talent in that front seven. Doug Brumfield's a really intriguing guy here to defend. Uh, He's got a hell of an arm. You know, things are working real efficiently right now, and if things break down, he can go. He's He's got some legs. He's dangerous in the run game. So how do you think they defend him? You know, do you just you pin your ears back, you know, on the ends and, and rush in, or do you have to be cognizant of what Brumfield can do with his legs? Well, and again, you know, props to Brumfield. I, I think I the last time you and I talked, I was thinking Cameron Creel would probably hang on to the job, and then this whole quarterback thing, and when I say this whole quarterback thing, you know, uh, in FBS football, right? Yeah. It, it's it's crazy, you know, the way this thing works. You've got a four-star transfer from Tennessee who wasn't able to win the job, and it tells you kind of the level that Brumfield's playing at. And, and to your point, I think they're well aware that this isn't a guy that's just going to sit in the pocket and throw the ball. If, if nothing's there, he's going to pull it down and run. I think you probably get um, the Derek Odom defensive coordinator for San Jose State. I always call him Riverboat Derek Odom because he'll take <laughs> some chances. So, you know, you'll see you'll see a little bit of everything with their defense. He isn't afraid to to bring five or six, and, and at the same time, uh, you know, he'll sit and play his own sometimes too. So I think the big thing with with that San Jose defense is what are they going to show you versus what are they going to be in as soon as you take the snap. The other thing that I just believe in so much with, with quarterback play if you break down both of the quarterbacks, you think about Shevin Cordero, he's got four four touchdowns, no interceptions, probably should have been picked last week one time where a ball was dropped. And then if, if we jump and look at uh, at Doug, you know, eight eight touchdowns and two interceptions, you know, four to one, both of those guys. You know, I believe those college quarterbacks, the great ones are three to one, and most of them are two to one. So much like when we had uh, the the Raiders quarterback roll into Steph Hugh Stadium many years ago, and I think he had two interceptions coming into that game, and I predicted he would throw two interceptions just because the bell curve is so strong, the average. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, he threw two interceptions. So I think you're probably going to see one or two interceptions by each quarterback on Friday night just because I think the law of averages finally catches up with you, if you will. Last one, and I got about thirty seconds left. Uh, we've talked about San Jose State in terms of walking that line. Uh, they're you know they're very edgy, very edgy. I, I noticed the penalties well, yeah. are a little down, a little down now. It's six point seven five per game. Have they gotten together where they're not picking up silly unsportsmanlike uh, penalties? You know the focus has changed a little bit. You can see that on Saturday night where. Let's close this thing out. Let's not be chippy. And remember, that Wyoming team, those guys will smack you in the mouth. That's one thing they'll do. And I thought San Jose responded well with their pads and not so much with their mouth. But at the same time, when Brennan and Arroyo are going at it, it, it should be fun. I appreciate you guys having me. It's so fun talking Mountain West football and should be a great game on Friday. I will right, we'll see you out there on Friday. Thank you so much. Sounds great, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, Kevin Richardson played inside linebacker at Stanford. And I'm telling you, it's a thing. If you notice in a lot of these games, maybe UNLV developed a reputation last year of, like, wilting. I didn't see it, 
But around the league, it seems like teams are, whether they're at home or on the road, are, are going at the Rebels, like really going at them. I thought Utah State was out of control. San Jose has really bullied them in the past with hits on the sideline. And, you know, as Caleb Herring talks about Fajoko and the, the nut roll, kind of dragging yourself across a guy after you tackle him. Let's do it.